today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar to Egypt now. You are? Yeah. Okay. Are we okay still? I know this is crazy, right? Well, this explains why it is that God allowed Jeremiah to be taken to Egypt against his will. It was certainly God's will. Why? Because he would need to now continue prophesying with yet another visual prophecy, this time with rocks. You are listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. In today's message, Pastor J.D. shows us how Jeremiah wrestled with the instructions of the Lord, but still obeyed his instructions. Sometimes the Lord will have you do things that don't make sense in the natural. We have to trust that he is in control, no matter what it looks like. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 42 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 18, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my fury have been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you. And this is interesting. I underlined it. When you enter Egypt. Ah, oh, this is an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who already knows. Notice he doesn't say, if you enter. He says, no, when. When when you do what you already decided to do, when you enter Egypt, And you shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. And you shall see this place no more. Speaking of Judah, the Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. That's pretty clear. Is that clear? I guess it's a no. It's not a maybe. It's not a wait. It's not a slow down and proceed with caution and be. No, it's no, no. Do not go. And by the way, I'm just saying, your forefathers, by the grace of God and the mercy of God, got out of Egypt. And you want to go back? What is the matter with you? What is your problem? What are you thinking? Okay, I feel better. Not really, but know certainly that I have admonished you this day. Now, This is what the Lord is saying to them in response to them through Jeremiah. Now it's Jeremiah's turn. Watch this, verse 20. For you were hypocrites. Now listen, I was thinking about this, inquiring of the Lord about this. I even kind of went back into my archive notes on this. There's not really that many times when Jeremiah is pronounced in his disdain towards the people of Judah. I mean, he loves them. He cares about them. He's grieving for them, weeping because of them. There's a couple of times, this is one of them, where he's like, you know, you you guys lied to me. 
You were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, pray for us to the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord your God. Not that Jeremiah had that tone. I would have. <laughs> yeah, according to all that the Lord your God said. He's repeating what, he, what they told him. So declare to us and we will do it. <laughs> yeah, okay, that was, that was actually not too bad. Verse 21. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, or anything which He has sent you by me. Now therefore, verse 22, know certainly, certainly, you can be assured of this with a certainty, that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, in the place where you desire to go dwell, Egypt. What a sobering end to the chapter. Now we're going to get into some of the why behind the what of their insistence, desire to go to Egypt. Chapter 43, verse 1. Now it happened, when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, all these words, that verse 20, Azariah, the son of Hoshaiah, Jehanan, the son of Keraiah, and I want you to watch this and listen very carefully. All the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, you speak falsely. You're a false prophet. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, do not go to Egypt to dwell there. Okay, I just, one more time. I'm Jeremiah right now. I'm like, God, a couple of lightning bolts right about now would be really, really cool. Now, let me uh, try to sanctify what I just said. <laughs> This is 40 years of this. 40 years of this. And this is how you're going to, wait a minute, excuse me? You just falsely accuse me of being a false prophet? Hey, let's go back over all of the prophecies over the 40 years. Find me one, I dare you, find me one that didn't come to pass exactly as I said, by the grace of God, through the Word of God, that it would happen. One! One! I'm not angry. I know I sound like I am. Maybe I am. And not only that, you can't find one, and every single one was 100%. Not 99.9999999999. No. 100%, exactly, precisely. Excuse me, you guys, come here. S sit down, boy. Let's just talk about one of them. I, I prophesied in the name of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, that the Babylonians would come and take you captive into Babylon. Did it happen? Well, yeah, but... And now I'm prophesying to you, the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord, do not go to Egypt. Do you think possibly that you should not go to Egypt? Let's talk about these proud men. That's textbook, isn't it? They're so arrogant and full of themselves and 
proud. And that's the fuel in the tank of the false accusation. And when I say textbook, what I mean by textbook is the arrogance of, you don't like the message, so you attack the messenger. And you know, let me, uh, I'll wait till we get there. I'm just feeling for Jeremiah. I really feel for him. Now verse 3, but Baruch, now remember this guy, this is Jeremiah's scribe, Jeremiah's friend. By the way, I think, Lord willing, next week, beginning in chapter 45, it's all about this Baruch, who is also afraid now of what's going to happen to him on the heels of all that's happening right now. And I mean, God's like, you have nothing to be afraid of, Baruch. Jeremiah sent to him, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to honor you. You've been faithful. So here now, they're going to start blaming Baruch, who's guilty by association, because he's Jeremiah's scribe. Now look what they say here in their accusation, false accusation of Baruch. They're accusing him, Baruch, the son of Neriah, has sent you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they may put us to death or carry us away captive to Babylon. This is a conspiracy. This is a plot, an evil plot. It's a trap. So, verse 4, Jehanan, the son of Kareah, all the captains of the forces and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. But Jehanan, verse 5, the son of Kareah, and the, all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah from all nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughter, and every person whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and, get this, Jeremiah the prophet and Baruch the son of Neriah. You know what's happening here? They're corralling all of them, including Baruch and Jeremiah, and they're taking them by force to Egypt. So, verse 7, they went to the land of Egypt. Why? For they did not obey the voice of the Lord, and they went as far as Tephanus. Then, verse 8, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in Tabhanas, saying, Take large stones in your hand, and hide them in the side of the men of Judah, in the clay, in the brick courtyard, which is at the entrance to Pharaoh's house in Tabhanas. And verse 10, say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Wait, what? Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is God's servant? Yeah, he's serving God's purpose as the instrument of judgment in the hand of God against his own people. I'm going to email Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to be relative, Rele relevant. I didn't even get the word right. But so he's, he's going to bring him now, this, his servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden, and he will spread his royal pavilion over them. Where? In Egypt. Wait a minute. They fled to Egypt to get away from him. I know. That's why I told you not to go. 
<laughs> I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar to Egypt now. You are? Yeah. Okay. Are we okay still? I know this is crazy, right? Well, this explains why it is that God allowed Jeremiah to be taken to Egypt against his will. It was certainly God's will. Why? Because he would need to now continue prophesying with yet another visual prophecy, this time with rocks. Remember one time it was the belt and then the oil and now the rocks, and it's a visual prophecy. And then he prophesies, saying, you see these rocks right here? Do you see where I placed them? Yeah, right, right at the entrance of the Pharaoh's place, man. He said, yeah. Why are you doing that, Jeremiah? Thus says the Lord, Nebuchadnezzar, whom you feared and fled from, is coming. And he's going to set up his royal pavilion over these very rocks. So have a nice evening. That was mean, wasn't it? Oh, well. Verse 11, when he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed for death, and to captivity those appointed for captivity, and to the sword those appointed for the sword. I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captive, and he shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd, puts on his garment, this is imagery, and he shall go out from there in peace. He, verse 13, shall also break the sacred pillars of Beth Shemesh that are in the land of Egypt and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians in whom you are taking refuge. He shall burn with fire. That's why I told you not to go. Do not go to Egypt. And you disobeyed, and you went, and now here's what's going to happen. The very thing that you feared would happen if you stayed in Judah is going to happen even worse, more so, in Egypt. Horrifying prophecy. Here's the thing before we go to chapter 44. Every single one of these things in explicit graphic detail came to pass exactly as we're told it would here in the book of Jeremiah. And historians, we're talking about sources other than the Word of God, record the year in history that exactly what God said would happen, happened exactly as God said it would happen. That was redundant too, but oh well. Chapter 44, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt, who dwell at Migdal, at Tephanes, at Noph, and in the country of Pathros, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on all the cities of Judah, and behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them because of their wickedness, verse 3, which they have committed to provoke me to anger in that. They went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know, they nor you nor your fathers. However, 
Verse 4, I sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But, verse 5, they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness, to burn no incense to other gods. So, verse 6, my fury and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as it is this day. Now therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant out of Judah, leaving none to remain? In that, verse 8, you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to the other gods in the land of Egypt where you've gone to dwell, that you may cut yourselves off and be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Why, 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 why? Have you forgotten, verse 9, the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives? Why is that there twice? Now ponder that for a moment. Hmm. The wickedness of their wives. Oh, the wi- oh, I see. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A redundant redundancy, I guess, again. <laughs> which they committed in the land of Judah, the streets of Jerusalem. Notice the question mark, why? Answer verse 10, they have not been humbled to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes that I set before you and your fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will set my face against you for catastrophe and for cutting off all Judah. And verse 12, I will take the remnant of Judah who have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt to dwell there, and they shall all be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. They shall die from the least to the greatest by the sword and by famine, and they shall be an oath an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. For I will punish those, verse 13, who dwell in the land of Egypt, as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. By the way, that's almost verbatim, the prophecy in the book of Revelation concerning the seven-year tribulation. So that, verse 14, none of the remnant of Judah who have gone into the land of Egypt to dwell there shall escape or survive, lest they return to the land of Judah to which they desire to return and dwell, for none shall return except those who escape. We're going to see that more in a moment. But we need to talk about this too and work through this and not read past this. Ironic, isn't it? The irony of ironies in the sense that those in Egypt tried to save their lives and would lose it, whereas those in Babylon lost their lives and would end up saving it. Does that sound familiar? Um, let's, uh, let's answer the why question. What why question? Okay, 
Why? I mean, God is, well, of course, it's rhetorical. He already knows the answer. But why would they, after all of this, still go to Egypt when God tried to stop them? Why would they still go? Why would they disobey, not listen to Jeremiah, and still go to Egypt after Jeremiah just got done telling them, thus says the Lord, if you remain in Judah, you will have nothing to fear. Answer, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. That's the only answer that even comes anywhere close to explaining. In fact, they didn't believe that God would stay true to His Word. Unbelief. And in the place of the unbelief, and we're going to talk about this more in a moment, in the place of their unbelief, they put their trust in the arm of flesh. And is not Egypt in Scripture a type of the world? They're putting their trust in the, they actually believe that they're safer in the Egypt of this world than they are in the hand of Almighty God, in the land of Almighty God. Now one more thing on this, and I just, I just want to have this in place as we move forward. This is not in any way to excuse it, but it does in some way explain it. The logic, the the circumstances are such that staying in Judah would have made absolutely no sense at all. So why is God telling us to stay in Judah? The most logical thing that we could do, the best thing we could do right now is go to Egypt because it's safe in Egypt. There's no problems in Egypt. There's no starvation, there's no famine, there's no war. They said as much. So on its face, this was a no-brainer in the realm of the logic, in the realm of the natural. And so they based this disastrous, deadly decision on the logic of it. It just made sense. And what God was saying absolutely made no sense. Here's where I'm going with this. Oh, we do err greatly when we make decisions in our Christian lives based on what makes the most sense. And you know, sometimes uh, by way of illustration, and for lack of a better one, we, you know, they they have these, they're very secular. (laughs) Uh, You know, the two columns, pros and cons. You know, the pros outweigh the cons. So you go down the list. Okay, if I do this, these are the negatives. If I do this, these are the positives. So you get down to the end of the list, and if the positives outweigh the negatives, the pros outweigh the cons, okay, then I'm going to go and make this decision based on that. Well, God's saying, okay, you can do that all you want. The pros on the Egypt side of the column, you're going to need several pages the pros for staying in Judah, you don't need any paper actually, because the only pro is you're being obedient to me. I know it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't reconcile. It's not logical. But since when do we make decisions based on the logical? See, that's called sight, walking by sight. And sight is the antithesis of faith. 
They're, they're making this decision based on what they're seeing and what they just saw in Judah and what they're seeing in Egypt. Hey, this is a no-brainer, man. We're going to Egypt. That was a fatal mistake. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. And that's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what He speaks and teaches about in His Word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's Word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that He can save you from a life and eternity without Him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.